0: This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Well, it was some years ago. The girls were four years old, and it was the Feast of the Ascension. So, for a bedtime Jesus story, I decided to tell the story of the Ascension. But I also thought, you know, it's never too soon to begin their Jedi training. So, I also began explaining some of the theological significance of the Feast of the Ascension. And about 20 seconds into this, Teresa stopped me and said, Papa, tell the story. And I said, I am telling the story. She said, No, you're just talking. (laughs) There's so much to say about the ascension, the victory of our Messiah, his great high priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, how it is that our salvation depends on the ascension in part, what it means for the dignity of human nature. That our place is with Jesus and in Jesus at the Father's side in glory, in perfection. That where he has gone, we will someday follow. Praise God for the ascension. But we're not going to talk about any of that. And this sermon is also not going to be a deep dive into a biblical exposition in either the Luke's story the Luke's story, or the Acts story. As much as I, I love to do that and as great as either of those passages would be for that. In fact, we're actually going to zero in and focus on one verse only. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So you can go ahead and just open up to the book of Acts now. So there's so much to say that we're not going to say, at least today. Why? Because God is stirring our hearts and the hearts of the leadership of resurrection. He is stirring our hearts to bring one thing into focus this week, and for the next two Sundays on Pentecost and Trinity Sunday. And this thing that he's stirring in our hearts is representative of a strong and growing sense of what God it wants to do in our church and in our diocese in the months and even in the years to come. So here it is. We believe that God is preparing to put resurrection on mission, to be witnesses in our community to the power of and love of jesus again let me say that we believe that god is preparing to put resurrection on mission to be witnesses in our community to the power and the love of jesus in a way that we never have before now of course we've already been on that mission but the lord is inviting us into a sustained season of renewing and deepening our mission especially to those who are not walking with jesus so, take a look now at Acts 1, verse 8. It said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, that phrase, you are my witnesses, you will be my witnesses. It appears here in the Acts story. It was also there in the Luke gospel reading when he says you are witnesses to these things. This signifies that Jesus is drawing his church into his mission to save the world. And even in his earthly ministry before his uh, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, even in his earthly ministry, he was already inviting his disciples to imitate him and to join with him in his mission. He said, follow me. He said, pick up your cross like he would himself do. And at one point, he sends the disciples out on mission to do the things that he had already been doing, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and to repeat Jesus's message about a coming kingdom. Now, what the Ascension and Pentecost tell us is that what he invited his disciples into while he was on earth is only going to continue and grow now that he is reigning in heaven. The mission and ministry of Jesus, his power and authority to preach, to heal, to bless the world now continues in the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a story in the Old Testament that that the church from ancient times has read and seen as, as paradigmatic of this reality, as a story that illustrates exactly what the Ascension and Pentecost are all about. And it's the story of Elijah and Elisha when Elijah is taken up into heaven. So they're walking along, and both of them know that this is going to happen. And at one point, Elisha, the apprentice, asks Elijah, the master, when you go, give me a double portion of your spirit. He's saying, I want to inherit your power and your prophetic mission. And Elijah, the master says, you're asking a hard thing. But if you see me when I go, it will be for you as you have asked. So they continue to walk along. They come to the Jordan River and Elijah takes off his cloak. He rolls it up and smacks the water and it parts before them and they cross. Once they reach the other side, chariots of fire come and whisk Elijah away, and he ascends up into heaven. As he ascends, his cloak falls. Elisha picks up the cloak, walks back to the Jordan River, smacks the water, and the exact same miracle happens. He crosses over. He puts on the cloak, signifying that the mantle, the authority, the mission of Elijah is now on him. And then when the other prophets see him, they say, look, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. The spirit of your master is upon you, they said to Elisha. We can see it. So in the ascension, Jesus is taken up, but his mantle, his cloak, his authority falls back to earth 10 days later on the church at Pentecost. And the mission of Jesus continues in his church. The spirit of Jesus rests upon us to empower that mission. So look again at verse eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what does it mean to bear witness to the power and love of Jesus? Well, it's a process and sometimes a lengthy process that culminates when we share with someone the story of Jesus, what he has done for the world, Or sometimes what he has done for us personally. So what he's done for the world that by his death on the cross, he's forgiven all our sins. That he was raised again to new life. And now his promise is that those who believe in him will live with him forever in his love. That's what he's done for the world. We share that story with someone who hasn't heard it. Or who hasn't believed it. Or once believed it, but does so no longer. But we can also share the story of what Jesus has done for us personally. So many of you have a story of a period, a time in your life when you were walking away from the Lord, you were in darkness or disobedience, disobedience, and it was a bad time. And your story is one of rescue and redemption. Jesus pulled you out of that. Be prepared to share that story in 60 seconds. Have a five-minute version of that story ready. Ready? And look for an opportunity to share what Jesus has done for you. Others of you, you don't have a dramatic story, but your story is one of God's steadfast love and faithfulness to you. And that also is a powerful testimony to say, he's always been there for me. I can't remember a time that he wasn't good for me and he wasn't good to me. And it would be helpful to keep just a running tab in your mind of, of recent examples of when he's answered a prayer, or when he's helped you out in smaller big ways. And be ready to share that. So we share the story of Jesus and then we invite that person to put their trust in Jesus. That's being a witness. But like I said, remember the sharing the story of Jesus, what he's done for the world or what he's done for you personally, is oftentimes the culmination of a process. So remember, it's the end of the process. That process begins with much simpler and and more doable steps that I'll, I'll explain more about in a minute. Also, we must always keep in mind that whenever we're talking about mission, our mission and our witness flows out of a heart of love. It begins with our union with God that we know and experience his love for us. And then from that same love flowing out to love for our neighbor. And it's just simply natural that we would say, I, I want you to have the joy that I have. With the infinite love of God, there's, there's enough to go around. Even so, when we start to talk about mission or being a witness, often hesitations arise, fears, or even objections. It, it, that may be happening for you right now. Uh, So maybe first objection you're thinking, but I'm disqualified. My life is falling apart. I can't keep a steady job. My relationships are a mess or my own faith is weak. Maybe you're saying this quarantine for me has just been one long relapse into really bad habits of sin. Well, I want to say to you two things, if, if that's the objection that you're bringing. First, is <clears throat> call a pastor, call your res group leader, make a confession, ask for prayer, and receive the care and the love of the church. I refuse to let us fall into this trap that a church can either be good at caring for her members or good at mission to the world beyond. The church is meant to do both, and with the Holy Spirit empowering us, it is not too difficult. So come to Mother Church for the care and the nurture that your soul needs. We can bear one another's burdens and bear witness to the world about the love and power of Jesus. The second thing I would say to you, if that's your objection, you can still bless others even when you're broken. In fact, Uh, God really loves to use broken people, sometimes most of all. And the sharing of the love of Jesus, even in some small way with someone in your life, might just be the the, the healing that your soul needs. It might just be the boost of faith that that you need. It's incredibly encouraging to us when we give the love of Jesus to another. Another objection that uh, could rise, especially in our church, is we say, well, I don't know anyone who's not a believer. My friends are all Christian I work in a Christian environment. My extended family is all Christian. And I even live next to a bunch of people from resurrection. Well, I I bet that even in those circles around you, there's, there's at least one person who's not walking with Jesus. Probably in your neighborhood, there's someone. Maybe you don't know them yet. And even if it's true that one person doesn't immediately come to mind, you can pray and ask God to bring into your life one person who's not walking with Jesus. You only need one person to start. And that is a prayer that is not too hard for God to answer. Whatever your circumstances, God can answer that prayer. And don't you think he would love to answer that prayer? Yes, he would love to answer that prayer. Lord, bring someone into my life. I have so many Christians around me. Bring one person in my life who's not walking with Jesus that I can share the love of Jesus to. A third objection, a really common one uh, that we all can relate to, is you might be saying, well, I agree with all of this in principle. I just feel... It's enough for me to just survive right now. And if that's your objection, well, it it may mean that there are some priorities in your schedule that that need to shift around and change. And if so, the Lord will make that clear. He'll show us all the way to make those changes. But actually, I think more important than that, God wants us to know that he wants us to be on mission in the life we're already living. The, The biggest change is not external in our calendar, our schedules, the, the biggest change is actually internal, in our own openness to being on mission. And as we'll see in just a minute, the first step to bearing witness is actually simpler and easier than you think. It, it doesn't require a major life change, though it may require a heart change. The last objection I'll raise, and of course there there may be others besides us, but you may be saying, oh, I'm too young to be a witness in my faith to be a witness? And the answer to that objection is really easy. The answer is, no, you're not. So don't say that anymore. Okay, good. Now, while fears and objections are familiar to all of us, I'm willing to bet that it's also true that deep down, each of us wants this. We want to be a part of this. I mean, if I told you... Today, you're gonna to pray for somebody who's not walking with Jesus. And the net result is they're gonna be deeply touched by the love and power of God and, and walk away one step closer to Jesus. Who wouldn't wanna be a part of that? No one would say, no, I don't want that. The problem is, is it's not that easy. How do we get to that point? It feels hard and unattainable. And, and it's important for me to say at this point, That as leaders, this is challenging for us too. The clergy and the staff, we would be the first to admit that we have a lot to grow in when it comes to witnessing to the love and power of Jesus in our community. Uh, Personally, I long for more boldness. I feel and I understand all the objections raised. I often feel inadequate, uh, and, and I'm puzzled about how to witness effectively. And among the leadership, I know I'm not alone in this. But as your leaders, we have this growing sense that God is, he's drawing us into this. And so as leaders, we are committed to get out ahead on this. We're excited to work at this. We're excited to learn how to do this, to grow so that we can lead by example and with authenticity. And of course, we're going to learn from those of you who are doing this better than we are. So pray for us, for resurrection's leaders that our witness would increase, and that as ours increases, we can help the church do this together. God is calling resurrection to a renewed vitality around our mission to the lost, to be witnesses in our community to the love and the power of Jesus. So, where and how. we begin? Let me say just a quick word about where do we begin. Well, in all of this, we have a specific sense and stirring that the Lord is calling us to begin in our neighborhoods. Yes, that's in part because this is the quarantine reality that we've been living in for the last couple of months, but even 10 months ago, the Lord was stirring our hearts around a phrase to localize and personalize the mission of resurrection. That was something we were already You know, it simply means to begin to pay more attention to the individual neighborhoods, the communities where we come from that make up resurrection and to recognize that mission begins at the local level outside the four walls of the church. And to personalize mission means to recognize that everyone is on mission and that in the priesthood of all believers, every single one of you has a part to play in bearing witness. And isn't it interesting That when Jesus says, this mission will take you to the end of the earth, where does it begin? In Jerusalem. Localized, small, where they already were, near at hand. And the same is true for us. So that's where we begin. Now I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what are those initial steps? I said it's a process. I said the initial steps are are easier and simpler, what are they? How do we begin to bear witness to Jesus? And at this point, I want to give you an acronym, a really helpful paradigm for understanding the process of bearing witness to the love and power of Jesus. Something that other churches came up with, we're just borrowing from them. It's printed there in, in, on the bulletin um, or, or on your, your liturgy page. And it's the acronym BLESS. You can also just write it in. BLESS. And the B stands for BEGIN, in prayer. Begin with prayer. And I'll say more about that in a minute. The L stands for listen. One of the most powerful gifts you can give and ways to show love and care for somebody is to, to listen to them, to pay attention to them. E stands for eat. Fellowship over food. At your table, at their table, uh, many people need this kind of interaction before they'll come to this table. The first S is serve. So without words, what are those practical things you can do? Ways that you can show love and care. And then the second s, the last s, to share the story of Jesus. And as I said earlier, it's it's the story of what Jesus has done for the world or it can be the story of what Jesus has done for you personally. And after you share that story, you're able to invite that person to also trust in Jesus. So that's bless. I'm gonna introduce that now, but we'll be saying more about that in the weeks and months and and years to come. That's gonna become an important tool for us. But let's, let's go back to that B, begin with prayer. Well, this was the example that the disciples set for us. After Jesus ascended, what did they do? Their first instinct was to run to prayer and they spent 10 days in prayer and waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the entire mission of the church is birthed in prayer, bathed in prayer, soaked in prayer, saturated in prayer. It's also essential because prayer is where we receive the continuing, ongoing, increasing filling of the Holy Spirit. Look again at verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So before Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses, before that, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it's no accident. That order is essential. What comes first? What do they wait 10 days in prayer and fasting for? The coming of the Holy Spirit and power. What did Elisha ask for? A double portion of your spirit master. What did the other prophets say when they saw him? We see the spirit of your master resting upon you. So we can effectively bear witness to Jesus only when the spirit of Jesus, our master, rests upon us. So as we begin with prayer, the first prayer is always more of the Holy Spirit. Father, fill me with your spirit for the sake of mission. And that's just an ongoing and continual prayer. More of your Holy Spirit. Next, since the focus is on the neighborhood, we begin in prayer by praying in secret for our neighbors and our neighborhoods. So as you begin to learn the names of your neighbors, start praying for them regularly. Pray for your streets by name. Pray for your town by name. And if you don't know what to pray, start here. The simplest and best prayer is thy kingdom come. Let your kingdom come to this person. Let your kingdom come to this street and this town. And as we begin in prayer in secret, then that prepares us to begin this process with another person in prayer for them in person together. So as we pray in secret, it prepares us for that moment when you bump into your neighbor and and they start sharing about a difficulty that's going on in their life. That's your cue. That's your signal to say, well, hey, could I pray for you about that? Praying for someone in person is so powerful. The benefits are are myriad. First, it lets them know, hey, you're a believer. You're, You're someone they can trust and you're someone that they could have spiritual conversations with. It's also so powerful because people are really receptive to receiving prayer. So it's an easy way to briefly put them in touch with the love and the power of God. It's it's easier than inviting them to church. It's easier than inviting them to a small group. That is all important and that will come later, but at this point, all they need to do is receive from you. They don't have to do anything else but receive, and most people love to receive prayer. And since prayer changes things, when you pray for them, it's more than simply a gesture. It's real help that you're bringing to them. And when God answers your prayer for them, that's the most powerful and eloquent witness that you can have. Now, if you say, well, I'm not good at praying, or or, that just makes me nervous to think about praying for someone. True, this will take courage, but you have the Holy Spirit and he will give you the words to pray. And, And when I do this for other people, it's often stuttering, halting. I'm nervous. And yet God uses it and blesses people in a powerful way. And you know, the hardest part is just to get those five words out of your mouth. Can I pray for you? That's, that's the most difficult part. But once you cross that barrier, the rest is much easier to do. So yes, it takes courage, but it's only five words. It's twice as hard to ask somebody out on a date. Would you like to go on a date with me? 10 words, that's twice as hard. Now, if you want a double challenge, ask somebody on a date and then offer to pray for them. No, don't do that, okay? If you do, they, they might say, actually, you're the one that needs prayer. Okay, but staying on this theme though, asking someone on a date is much easier to do if you have a 95% certainty that they're going to say yes, isn't it? It was the case for, for me and Julie. So we, we were in a class, we had a, a mutual friend who came up behind me one day and he, he, he put his hands, covered my eyes from behind as if he had a big surprise for me. And he said, I know a girl who likes you. And with his hands covering my eyes, I said, yeah, my mom, so what? And he said, no, a real girl from our philosophy of arts class. Well, on this point, I, I, was, I was interested because I, I knew who he was probably talking about. And so seven months later, I gathered, no, just kidding. A week or two later, I asked Julie, because I had a 95% certainty, she would say yes. Rarely does someone say no to receiving prayer. Believe it or not, most people, I I would say about 95% of the time that I offer to pray for somebody, they say, yes, pray for me. And oftentimes they're gently weeping by the end. And again, my prayers are nothing remarkable. I, I try to keep them short. And simple, I make sure to pray the love of God over them to lift up the specific request they've named. And I always pray in the name of Jesus. And the Lord seems to, to love to bless them through that and, and bless me as well. And obviously this is not limited to your neighborhood. If, if you have an opportunity to pray for a coworker or an extended relative, take, take the opportunity to do that. So God is calling us to a greater mission. And if you're hesitant, if you, if you still have those objections My question for you is, will you join in this mission? Will you say yes, even while some questions remain? Do you want to be a witness for Jesus to his love and power? And if your answer is, yes, I want to be a part of this, then let's begin in prayer. And especially with Pentecost in view, let's begin asking Jesus, pour out on us a double portion of your spirit for the sake of mission. Let's begin praying for our neighbors and our neighborhood, and let's look for opportunity to actually pray in person with them and bless them with the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As a part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast.